I mean, just in general, you should be proud. You know a whole different language, and now you're learning a whole other one, um, and you should be proud of that. That's definitely something I learned recently that I didn't think about for some reason, and I think that's something definitely that other students need to hear who are learning a new language, um, especially at a young age. Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores how we can help make an impact on our nation's highest growing student demographic, multilingual learners. I'm your host, Steve Sofronis. In this special episode of Highest Aspirations, we feature one of our five Elevation Scholarship winners, Sirenia Garcia. Sirenia recently graduated from Deer Park ISD in Texas. She is currently attending the University of St. Thomas in Houston, where she is studying music education and psychology. She hopes to become a school counselor or principal, which, of course, we love to hear. As you hear in our conversation, Serenia is quite open about the challenges she faced while learning English as a young child. She shares some great advice for students and teachers while recognizing the impact people have had on her along the way. Serenia's story is a great reminder of the partnerships schools, families, and communities share in creating pathways to success for all students. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks, as always, for listening to Highest Aspirations. Sirenia Garcia, thank you so much for joining us on Highest Aspirations. And the first thing I want to say is congratulations on winning one of five of our Elevation Scholarships. Yes, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. This year, it's been great. We've been able to speak with, I think, all of the scholarship winners and kind of hear their stories. And so... I'm excited to hear yours. Um, and so I want to start a little bit talking about sort of your early years, which we've done with most of these uh, people who have come on. Um, of course, it's still early for you. You're just starting college, right? Your life's kind of all in front of you. But let's go back all the way to, yes. to kindergarten. I know back then you only knew Spanish. Um, do you remember what it was like trying to learn English during that time? Um, it, would have, it was really difficult. I felt really out of place. Um, I mean, no one spoke my language, everyone spoke English. Um, so I was just put into a class not knowing what they were saying. Um, and even though it was difficult, you know, of course, the teacher was able to help me and soon enough I learned English. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I think about my own children who are lucky enough to, you know, to go to school learning English. And I often tell them these stories about these students who are going in just kind of without that language, but it happens really quickly. Um, and it did for you, which is great as well. What, it, speaking of sort of other students, what, what advice would you give to other students who are experiencing those kinds of, of, um, of transitions? What, what do you think the, the college freshmen at Enya would say to the seven-year-olds at Enya at this point in time? I would tell her that, I mean, first, I think that, um, I mean, just in general, you should be proud, like, you know a whole different language, and now you're learning a whole other one, um, and you should be proud of that. That's definitely something I learned recently that I didn't think about for some reason, and I think that's something definitely that other students need to hear who are learning a new language, um, especially at a young age. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the main advice I would give, and just pay attention in class, because yeah. you use everything you learn, so... I love to hear that. That's, you know, we have the, the, the fancy way that, that sort of teachers, I think, and educators approach that is by saying, take an asset-based approach, right? Which means basically exactly what you said. Understand that students who are coming to your class 
with another language already have that other language in their in their tool belt and they're about to learn another one and with mm -hmm. the right supports they're going to learn it and learn it well so that's that's great advice be proud of the language that you know and embrace it and hopefully take advantage of it later um, down the line you mentioned teachers and how they helped you of course um, and I know you had one teacher in particular who had a really profound influence on you in elementary school. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about her so that education might be listening, get a sense of what multilingual learners need to be successful at those early ages. So uh, you told me that story briefly when we spoke last time, but I'd love for you to tell the listeners. Yes, of course. Um, so when I was young, of course, I had problems like understanding, you know, English and reading the passages, answering the questions and whatnot. Um, so I was put into another class where I would be taken out of history, um, put into another English course. And the teacher who taught me was Miss Petrie. And um, she was she was just really nice. Um, whenever I had a question, she answered it, of course, nicely. To me, she was a second mom, um, supported me, was always just there for me if I was stressed. She would listen to my stories, um, even though, let's say, like I should have been reading a passage. Um, she understood that sometimes you need that person to listen to you. Um, so she really inspired me <laughs> um, just to be kind and always listening and patient and yes, she helped me a lot as a multilingual student. Yeah, and I appreciate you mentioning her name. And if she's listening, Ms. Petrie, you've clearly done a really, a really good job um, with Sidonia and I'm sure many, many others. You know, what struck me about what you said, Sidonia, that I think is really worth mentioning is you, you, you didn't really talk about uh, the sort of academics and the content that she taught. You, you, you talked about her being there for you and her being there to listen to you and teaching you how to be kind and how to sort of be a good person. And I'm sure to boost your confidence. Um, and that's so important now. And I think, you know, uh, back then it was important, but now there's, there's, I think there's more attention being paid partly because of the pandemic and uh, having to do online school about social emotional learning. And I think you just illustrated the importance of that, especially to a young person. Am I, am I on the right track mm -hmm. there? Yes, definitely. Um, I definitely felt I felt a little dumb when I was young because, you know, a different language. And just with Miss Petrie being there, not only was she there to help me more, like, specifically, but um, she was just there in general. And that really helped me as a student and grow as a person. So it's great. It's so powerful um, hearing it from you. We hear it from experts all the time and teachers, but hearing it from students, I think, is even more powerful. So thanks for that, for sharing that story about Miss Petrie. And again, Miss Petrie, thank you for what you did and hopefully what you continue to do. Um, I know music came into your life in, in junior high. Um, tell us about that because I, I know it brought you some joy, but it also brought some conflicts along the way. Oh yes, definitely. Um, well, I, well, first I guess start from the beginning. Um, my family, my two older brothers, they both played um, orchestra in orchestra and they both played viola. So, and I always looked up to my brothers. So I um, joined orchestra because of them and I played the viola because of them. Um, so being in orchestra, I began and of course I was nervous. I was a sixth grader and um, the teacher there, his name was Mr. Reynolds. Um, and he taught the orchestra class and, you know, we learned. And after a while of seeing how he taught, it just really inspired me to want to become an orchestra teacher. Um, so 
And from Miss Petrie, she actually was the one who influenced me to become a teacher. So going into middle school, um, he made that impact. Like, okay, now I know what to teach. Now I know what to what to teach, right? Um, but yeah, and um, so from there on out, I was like, okay, orchestra teacher, orchestra teacher. And um, at that point, I tried to learn as many instruments as I could, but my parents didn't really approve. Um, and that's okay because you know they were nervous. Um, they didn't see as they didn't see music as a possible career where you can actually sustainably live, right. um, which is completely understandable. That's how it was, you know, back then. Um, it it was a struggle. Um, but then in high school, I continued. I was like, okay, it's okay. You know, like they don't agree, but it's okay. I'll keep going. And then they convinced me by my sophomore year to like focus, like okay, math, like teacher or science teacher. Um, but then after a while, I was like, dang, you know, I, I could be teaching music when that's something I'm more passionate about instead of math. Even though I still love math, I am more passionate about te like music. Um, and I really wanted to share that knowledge that I had and I wanted to share that passion that I had, that energy to, you know, people who also wanted to learn instruments. Um, so... After that, I came back and I was like, okay, orchestra teacher again. And, you know, of course, my friends, they're still kind of like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, but it's okay. You just, I just kept pushing. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, as, as a parent myself, I, I, I completely understand that. And I also understand that passion that you have as someone who has hobbies and passions of my own outside of work. But if you can blend those two together, um, if you can do something that you love, and that, like you said, is going to be sustainable for you and, and whatever future the future holds. And you can have that impact on students. I think that's, um, that's an amazing thing. And it sounds like your sort of passion and drive to do this may have at least partially convinced, um, you know, your parents that this might be, this might be the right path for you. Um, but I really, I, I respect and appreciate your tenacity and you can hear in your voice, the respect that you also have, um, for the advice that your parents are giving you. That's a really nice balance. Yeah, I, I really do respect what they um, say, like, tell me, because, you know, some of the stuff, I mean, well, actually, a lot of the stuff your parents tell you, they they really need it, and, like, if they say something, they know it from past experience, even though they may not tell, you know, their children what exactly happened, they probably know from experience. Um, so I definitely do appreciate their advice and their participation in my life, for sure. That's great. That's a, I think that's that's amazing. And your family, I know, is is really important to you, not just your parents, but also you mentioned um, your siblings. And I know you're going to the same college now as your brother. You're actually wearing this shirt right now. Uh, I don't know if people if people are watching it on YouTube, they can see. If not, they can't. Um, oh, what, yeah. What, what role? Yeah, there it is. University of St. Thomas. I love it. Um, mm -hmm. What role has he, that is your brother who's going to the same university as you, um, and your family sort of played along the way to get you where you are now and, and sort of influence, um, you know, the person that you're hoping to be in your college career. Um, everyone definitely made their little impact on me, um, including not to mention, you know, again, the teachers um, that I mentioned before. Um, my oldest brother, Julian, he, he was always very intelligent. He was the oldest in our family. And he always took AP classes. He loved reading. Um, and, you know, he was just a geeky guy. Um, so that definitely got me into like, okay, 
like the world of books and video games and all of that stuff, um, all the geek and nerd stuff. So um, growing up, I always looked up to him specifically because when I, I mean, I do not remember anything that he was never really mad at me. Um, like recently I found out that I ripped my brother's books <laughs> when I was a kid, like a baby. <laughs> and um, one of them was his Percy Jackson series. Oh, that's, and it was that's I know. For, oh, boy. That's like a treasure. I know. <laughs> yeah, I feel so bad. And like loving books, like now I'm just like, oh, my gosh. How was he? I, how do I not remember him being angry at me? Um, but yeah, they, they both, both my older brothers, they inspired me to be a better person, work hard. I wanted to be intelligent um, despite my you know, bilingual. Um, I worked hard in English to the point where I went from, you know, struggling with like dyslexia into like AP English and college courses. So it's like, that's definitely another piece of advice I want to give to students that um, even though you, you know, are struggling, you know, doing English, you, if you keep building, you'll go up, you can go up. Um, and my brother, Julian, he also got a lot of awards for like reading quickly and, you know, uh, spelling bee, whatnot. Um, so that definitely inspired me to like keep working hard because I knew that I would get up there one day. Yeah. Yep. That's great. I mean, we talk a lot uh, on the podcast and in other sort of, you know, media that we put out, content that we put out about um, family, the influence of family, family engagement. And I think that's just so crucial to understand, um, a student, uh, by understanding their family, because the story that you're telling is, is a part of who you are as a person. So the more that we know about a family, the better we can serve them. Of course, knowing that, uh, every brother and sister from the same family may be very different in some ways. Um, one, for example, may rip up books and the other one may love to read. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't resist the comedy there. Um, you know, one thing that you said that I want to—I actually want to correct. You said, despite being bilingual, when you said, despite my bilingualism, I would just like to say, in addition to your bilingualism, because that's an asset that you brought. You know, I mean, uh, you were learning English, but you already knew Spanish. So, um, again, like you said earlier, you know, it's 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 something to be proud of and that you brought with you, which is amazing. But clearly. Um, your brothers and your family and your teachers all had a profound impact, which is all the kind of the saying that it takes a village, right? It takes a lot of different influences to kind of put you on the mm -hmm. path that you that you are on um, right now, which um, has led you to where you are now at the University of of St. Thomas. What um, what advice? I asked you for earlier for advice for students. Now I'm going to ask you about um, teachers. So. We have a lot of teachers now who are working with multilingual learners, some of whom have been working with those students for their whole careers and who have sort of degrees that help them do that. And there are other teachers who maybe live in an area that is, has maybe an influx of immigrants from other places. They've never worked with multilingual learners before. They have no idea what to do. They may find themselves a little overwhelmed. You're in a great position, I think to give a little bit of advice to those teachers. And I know you're not a teacher yourself yet, um, but I'd love for you to kind of think about wh what was it that helped you and wh what advice would you give to these teachers who are maybe confronted with something that they've never, they've never um, done before? Um, reading books like this definitely helps with that. Um, but one thing when I was a child, 
I do remember practicing a lot of phonics. Um, so that definitely helped with my pronunciation. Like um, a lot of people tell me like, oh, you don't have a, you know, Spanish accent. You speak like clearly English. Um, and even though sometimes you do catch me like saying some things that's like, oh, wait, that wasn't right. But it's still mostly clean. So definitely consistent practice with phonics would help. Um, and I definitely think that like, again, with Miss Petrie um, motivating and kind of, I guess I would think of it as trying to be your, like the kid's second mom, um, like trying to like care for them each one, even though I know that it's, it's probably, it takes up a lot of your energy, um, but definitely do try to listen to the child and care for them as if they were yours, but also trying to teach them English and keep motivating them for sure, because I know that after a while it gets tiring, like, oh, I can't get that word right and all of that. Yeah, that motivation piece, I think, is really crucial. And I love it how you mentioned both sides of, you know, the, the Miss Petrie story about sort of being a second mom and listening and providing that motivation and empathy and understanding. Um, but also you mentioned something surprising, which is phonics, work on phonics, because it's going to help. And that's, I think, that's something that people don't really talk about too much anymore. But as somebody who's a language teacher myself and who learned Spanish, um, not necessarily in, in a sort of a traditional way, I mean, uh, that was always important for me. You know, I remember I, I took, I'm, I'm half Greek. So I, I was kind of forced to go to, uh, to go to Greek school, which I didn't really like that much when I was younger. Mm. But it really helped me kind of develop the the rolling your R's in Spanish that you needed, and it just helped me kind of uh, uh, a lot with with my pronunciation, uh, which I think is nice. Um, of course, you know I think having an accent um, I think is a wonderful thing. I think it I think it's it's a kind of a relic of of who you are, and I don't really notice an accent that that you have, but I think um, if you do or if you did, I think that's something to embrace as well. I really do. I think. I think it's really an interesting thing. It, it would be really sad if everybody spoke the exact same way in a sort of quote unquote normal way. Um, so what? So what's next? You're at the University of St. Thomas now. You just started, which must be exciting. You were saying before that you were a little late because you were doing homework. Great reason to be late. Um, <laughs> what are you going to do after mm -hmm. you complete all this coursework? What's the plan? What do you think is next? Um, I guess in general, uh, right now, I I graduated high school with my associates, um, so I'm a year ahead. Usually Amazing. it takes people five years here at St. Thomas um, to graduate with a music education degree just because it's like a lot of music courses, a lot of teaching courses, you know. Um, so You're basically studying advisor, two, two things. Can... You're basically a double major in many ways. I mean, you're doing, yeah, it's a lot. Exactly. That's... Yeah, that's what the um, my advisor said too. That you're basically doing a double major, which I've never really thought about um, until now. But I'm really grateful that I was able to get at least like some of my degree done in high school, um, and then hopefully graduate in three years. Um, but we'll see about that. But even after I graduate with my music education degree, and hopefully I'll be able to teach students music. Um, I still do want to be able to upgrade, well, upgrade, quote unquote, um, from there to either be a counselor, like school counselor, or be a school principal, um, because I definitely always have thought about like leading the school, being able to help, you know, clubs, um, because I've always been in student council since I was like in middle school, 
Um, so for me, I always thought like seeing as me being a school principal would always be really cool and being able to manage everything and hopefully being that school principal that's you know really nice and always talks to everyone. Um, so that's kind of where I'm heading, <laughs> a broad you know, concept. No, I think that's great. And I think you kind of narrowed it. You kind of told us the whole story from, from general to specific. I think you have yeah. a great plan. And I'll say something that, I mean, I don't know if this is, I, I've worked with a lot of principals. I've, I've, you know, as a teacher and I, I've worked with some principals here at Elevation as well. Um, and the ones that are great are the ones that just, as you said, they're, they're open to communicating with everybody. They don't kind of get drawn into that. I think, um, they're very busy. It's a very busy job. And so it's very easy to kind of lock yourself in your office and, and get work done. Um, but the key part of the job I think is really communicating with people. Um, and, and I think that, uh, there's not enough principals or school leaders who have been music teachers or art teachers, you know, the teachers who are teaching the, the real creative, um, things. So I think there's a really nice advantage in that. Um, and of course the arts need as much support as they can get from school leaders. It's not something that we ever want to lose, uh, when there's budget cuts. So I think having you in our corner yeah, there as, as somebody who plays music himself, I think that's, I would, I would, would appreciate having somebody like you as a school leader someday. <laughs> so I think that's a great plan. Um, yeah, I, I have two, two more questions for you. One, I, I, I've been asking this question sort of intermittently with people. I mean, you, you and your, your classmates, um, all around the world, you know, uh, went through a very difficult time at a very key point in your lives. Um, you basically went through your junior and senior year in the middle of a, not basically you did in the middle of a, a global pandemic. Um, and while I'd, I'd, I don't necessarily want to dwell on the negative there, I'd love to know if there was something that you learned, um, that you can point to now. And I'm guessing that 10 years from now, you'll have about five or 10 things that you, that you have, but is there one thing that you learned from facing all that adversity at such a key point in your life? I think definitely the biggest thing I've learned from that is um, discipline is essential <laughs> um, because, you know, during quarantine, we had to stay in our homes. And even though, you know, it's so easy to just get on your phone and watch Netflix, you know, you have to keep learning. You have to keep working on yourself. Um, and for me, I mean, for me, that was exercise. I at that time, I started to exercise because I was like, locked in my house, you know, I couldn't, you know, do stuff. Um, I felt like I couldn't, but in reality, there's a lot of things you can do, um, like learning wise, you know, you could read books or try to audio books, podcasts, um, you know, religious things. Um, there's just, you just have to keep pushing yourself to become a better person. And I definitely think that's one of the biggest things why in general, we're here, just keep working on yourself to help others too, you know? Yeah. Discipline. And, and isn't it amazing as you were speaking about the things that you could do that'll either kind of lead you in the wrong direction or the right direction. It's such a double-edged sword, you know, that we have the availability, the internet. And of course I I'm a lot older than you. And I grew up at a time when, you know, the internet wasn't a thing really I'll age myself now, but until I was really in college was when I think I sent my first email. Um, and so I understand the other side of what that's like. And people now just have no understanding of that. And that's totally, I, I don't uh, fault them because that's just the way it is. But this thing that we're doing right now over Zoom or the internet can be a portal for like incredible knowledge and self-help and self-improvement and everything. 
but can also take you down the other direction where it takes your motivation and your discipline away. So good for you for, for disciplining yourself and, and doing the right things. And I'm sure at times like with exercise or reading a book, unplugging, I think that's just so crucial now. Um, so that's great. But I, yeah, again, the key discipline is nice to hear yeah. because I think that's so important. It's a lost art for many people. Yeah, Great. And I definitely do have to acknowledge that I have to admit, like, sometimes I would, you know, take a break and like, of course, like watch Netflix. So just know that it's like definitely hard to like discipline yourself. You have to push yourself. So I'm yeah, not like of perfect. <laughs> of sure. course. And you have to sometimes zone out to Netflix. I have no problem with that. I, I don't want to make to make it sound like, you know, but yeah, you got it. You got to find that balance. Um, but thank you for that. That's a good addition. Um, so books, I'm actually in books and films and other resources. The last question I'm going to ask you is a question that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast. And it just led to a really nice library of resources and books and things that, that we share at, uh, at the end of each year. Um, love to hear from you if there's a book or a film or any other resource or person or thing, it can't really be anything at all that's had an important influence on you um, personally or academically as you kind of have gone through uh, life so far that you'd like to share. Yes. Um... Well, recently, actually, um, this past summer, I read a book. Um, it's called Man's Search for Meaning um, by Viktor Frankl. Um, a lot of people probably have heard of it. I think it's, I feel like it's popular um, because I've seen that it's like been sold in like multiple languages and just a lot. Um, but it really does help you um, change, like kind of become like an optimist, you know, like look at the positive um, sides of life. So I definitely do recommend that book. Well, we could all use a little bit more optimism these days. So I think that's, I think that's a great influence. And, you know, there's a lot of books like that, that you just mentioned that like, it seems it's so popular and it's in that, so many different languages. How come I've never heard of it? You know, I've, I've heard of it, but I've never read it. And so, so don't feel bad about not knowing it. Cause I think that's pretty typical. I ask that question to everybody and I hear so many books that I say, why didn't I ever hear of that? And I read a lot of them. So Part of the reason I asked the question is selfish that I just want to read these books myself anyway. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's, on it's that a note, short book. Yeah. Oh, good. Short books are even better. Um, on that note, Sydney, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your story with us and giving us some advice. As I said earlier, um, it's so important for us to speak with students um, and to get your perspective and your advice, um, especially students like you who have, who have found a success largely, I'm sure, through the discipline that you talked about earlier but also through the, the people that have been in your life um, and, and who, have, who have guided you to where you are so far. And you're clearly on a great path. And, and on behalf of everybody at Elevation, we're really proud to be able to support you in a very small way. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity and everything. It's, I'm really grateful. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.